0: Welcome back. Uh, This is Zach Fulginitti, and I am joined today by my good friend, Matt Bradner. And we have been uh, spending time over the past few weeks having different guests on, talking about some of the history and legacy of campus outreach looking back 25 years here in Charlotte. So, Matt, glad to have you on. Yeah, man. It's uh, great to be on. Appreciate the opportunity
1: to chat with you. And time flies, man. It's crazy uh, when you
0: say 25 years, but uh, it's true. It's true, man. So, you know, we, we are, I don't know when exactly this will be released, but at least when we're recording now, we're still in some measure of quarantine, some measure of stay at home and lockdown. I know all the states are slowly being uh, released a little bit, but when you look back at these last few months, man, what, what have you enjoyed most? What's been just one of those uh, Bradner things that you guys have been doing while you've been stuck up in Lynchburg?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think somebody asked me recently, you know, how it's been, and, and my first response was, I mean, there's seven of us, and um, I mean, currently eight, maybe we'll get, get to it, but there's seven of us uh, at the same house and property for the past, I don't know how many weeks and overall, we're doing great. I mean, you know, uh, occasionally I, I will, you know, joke with Benson and tell him, Hey, I hit something out in the woods for you just to get him out in the house. And, uh, I run and throw a smarty in the backyard. Um, but other than that, uh, you know, I think we probably enjoy the, we enjoyed the weekends. And normally, uh, you know, our oldest is is going around the world playing Pokemon. Uh, We've got another one who's in theater, music, another one in theater, and then Rock Climber. And so weekends are just crazy. But we've been together, uh, a lot of dinners together, conversations, game nights, et cetera. So I I just would say we've appreciated the slower pace. Uh, We haven't taken it for granted. you know, in many ways, my work is busier than ever. Cause I used to be able to say, oh, sorry, I can't help you. I'll be in Charlotte. Um, but now I'm not going anywhere. And so it, it's just, it's busier. I've had to work that out, but just love being with the family and man, you know, there's the cliche, the days are long, the years are short. And, you know, I, I got a 16 year old now. He's about to be a junior in high school and, uh, You know, I got a 14 year old, 12, 10, 5, I got a a lot of year olds, but it's just flying by.
0: So I'm just really grateful for it. That's good, man. I was going to ask who are your top five children in no particular order, but you kind of gave that away by saying there's seven of us, eight of us. Tell us a little bit about your family. I know that you mentioned it briefly, but I, I don't know as many fathers who are as proud of their family and their children as you. And I know you'd love to take a minute to to brag on them and to to share and just how proud you are of them.
1: Yeah. Thanks, man. So, uh, so Julia and I, we've been married for 19 years and actually met through a mutual friend in campus outreach when we were in college, different schools. And, uh, we got married in 2001 and then our first, we actually miscarried in 2004 and we were, no, no, we miscarried in 2003. And we were, uh, you know, without getting into it, that was a really big time for us. Uh, we, 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 that was one of our early experiences, how God uses trials and the timing of them for his purposes, specifically in parenting. Because up to that point, we just thought we wouldn't have said this, but parenting was a right. It was something we were entitled to. And the reason why is because when you get married, what does everybody ask you? When are you guys going to start having kids? If you could ask that long enough, you start to think, "I guess it's just a decision it's just up to me and and after we miscarried, something happened where where I remember we just were like, "Wow, like um, are we going to get to experience this? This isn't if we decide to it's if God decides to, and that little little shift was a privilege mentality, so that when we had isaiah um, it was just a gift from God, Psalm one twenty seven three. So, I say that to say, yeah, man, my kids are awesome. Um, they're uh, Isaiah sixteen. He's brilliant. He's uh, this is not hyperbole. He's literally, you know, this considered one of the top Pokemon trading card game. It's a card game. Players in the world. Uh, somebody once thought that I like it was Pokemon Go, and they pictured me driving him around, you know, catching, um, you know, Pokemon. But uh, and so. Uh, seeing him, you know, we have always been about uh, celebrate or cultivate unity, celebrate individuality with our kids. And I think when Isaiah got into Pokemon, and everybody saw mom and dad are willing to help our kids, help their kids run after their dreams. If you will work hard, mom and dad will do whatever they can to help you be the best in it. I think that kind of unlocks something in our other children, where they said, "Who am I and what am I about?" And so, Toby's 14. He's really into music, and you know, he's released eight songs in the last couple months. He's got two more that are his best yet by far, about to be released. Uh, and and I just think there's something there about it's almost if it, you people say like, "What's in the water that the Bradner kids drink?" I just think they know if we work hard, mom and dad will help us succeed. Now, the problem with that is that my 10-year-old daughter wants a YouTube channel, right? She's like, I can be famous, you know? And we're like, no. Um, But so, yeah, so uh, Toby's 14, Coleman's 12. He's very smart, wants to be a meteorologist. And he also would love to participate in the Fortnite World Cup. Uh, So he's a gamer. And then Eliana's 10. She's into crafting and has such a, a wonderful heart. She is always up for an adventure. And then there's Benson, man. Benson's five years old, and, and he is just an adventurer. Um, he, no matter how good the day is, when we lay down at night, he says, Daddy, let I just want to pray that we can have an adventure tomorrow. You know, it, it's like a nonstop expectation. So, uh and, and he, he is Benson Joseph named after two of my great mentors. I'll
0: speak at least. I know about one of them here. I, uh, we talked about this at the new year's conference when you were interviewing me, but I wish that our youngest could spend more time together. When they met each other at the conference, probably wasn't for the first time, but I, I remember seeing them say, yep. I can pick you up. No, I can pick you up and challenging one another and just going back and forth. And, they're you know they have a lot of similarities youngest child syndrome i guess but they're, yeah. they're a lot of fun
1: yeah 100 percent. Patton and benson would be uh you know julie and i joke that I, i've had to learn how to talk in marriage because i was raised by my dad and brother and we used to just grunt at each other you know just walk by the hall uh, and be like man i love that guy uh,
0: that would be benson and Patton, just yes uh, yes uh, you know so nothing else needed so um matt this is off the cuff but you have traveled a lot and you've traveled with isaiah a lot if you uh what's the favorite place you've traveled whether just for a memory or a place that you've been or an experience just favorite place that you have gotten to visit and travel
1: uh yeah it's a great question because we have we've we've been all over the world I, i think the i love I love great cities that have a major river running through them. Uh, there's something about a, a standing in a city w- alongside the river. And so two places come to mind. One is London, uh, being at the Tower Bridge, having just went uh, to Westminster with Isaiah, standing there. Um, just a beautiful moment. And... Uh, Another one would be, I've been here twice now, Melbourne, Australia. So Melbourne, similar, uh, unbelievable river. The thing I liked about Melbourne was, number one, both times we went, and it's a beautiful time of the year, and the people are just very friendly and cheery, and so uh, both of those places. I, I mean, Berlin, Germany was amazing um we've been a lot of places but but london london is a place that i desperately want to take julia to and actually we were going to go back in august uh the pokemon world championships was going to be in london uh but that's canceled obviously i really want to take julia back uh, to london i don't think i could get her to australia
0: oh the places pokemon will take you it's crazy it is uh, crazy so crazy buddy well, Matt, you, um, you were uh, around and you've been around this ministry a long time. I've been asking everyone on this just how did you come to faith? How did you come to Christ? We'd love for you to yeah. take a minute and just share that briefly and just yeah. let us be reminded of how God worked in your life.
1: Yeah, so um, I went to UNC Charlotte on a soccer scholarship in August of 1995. And when I went to – when I showed up in Charlotte – I I was literally about three things in this order, soccer uh, and then social or partying and then enough school to keep the first two going. That was what I was about. And my spiritual life wasn't uh, on the list. I didn't think. Um, Actually, I met a girl at preseason who was on the women's soccer team. Her name was Lindsay and Lindsay Franklin ended up being involved with campus outreach, but she wasn't a believer at the time. I met her uh, at a men's and women's soccer function and then I saw her at an off-campus party one night and uh, she was refilling at the keg and that's where I was headed. Uh, I joked with my kids at the Coca-Cola station and I decided to ask her out. Obviously, I guess I was feeling good, Zach. Um, And she said, no, I can't. Uh, I said, you want to go out next Tuesday? She said, I'm sorry, I can't. I said, well, where are you going? She said, I'm going to this on-campus Christian meeting. And I said, uh well that's didn't you know that's where I was going to take you and her eyes got really big yep and uh and she I was like, this is easy. She was like, really, so we went to this uh meeting, and uh, it wasn't a campus outreach meeting, i don't know what organization it was, but fifteen minutes in uh, the songs they sang, the language they used, we looked at each other, and i said uh, you you enjoying this and she said no and and that's all I needed to say let's get out of here and I'll never forget walking out of Holshouser or Scott at UNC Charlotte, thinking, I guess Christianity is not for me. That was my thought. Right about the same week, uh, I heard just a little knock on my dorm room door, 11th floor of Moore Hall. And it was a guy named Joe Naramore. And it, this was the first year that campus I was in North Carolina. And Joe was boldly normal. That's what I would say. He was so bold about his faith, but he was normal in that he would talk about anything. Sports, partying, you name it. And Joe began to share the gospel with me. And it was really through many conversations with Joe through my my entire first semester, where he would pull out his little day timer and he would write a note and he would leave it with me. And uh the word of God, uh the seed of the word being planted in my heart and mind. And pretty much, Zach, the way I would say it is. I, I I pretty much was like, you know what? Um, I'm hearing these claims of Christ and life in him. Uh, I'm going to test them. And so, man, I ran as hard as I could my first semester to find life. And I got kicked out of the dorms. I almost got kicked off the soccer team. Uh, two baseball players I ran with, they both got kicked off the baseball team for some stuff we did. I just got in a bunch of just a mess and all throughout it the Lord was just opening my hands and my eyes and November of my freshman year into the first semester, I trusted in Christ. And
0: that's where it started, bro. Praise the Lord, yeah. you know, the, the thing I love about being involved in, in this ministry, it's not unique to this ministry is, there's is a ministry about people. It's a story of people coming to faith. And so your testimony and story heard many, many times, and yet yep. they're still and still wonder that. That God would save you, that God would save me. And mm-hmm. that shouldn't be something we ever lose, man. So yeah. thanks thanks for sharing. Um, I, I know that your sophomore year was a pretty pivotal moment in your life as to, am I going to be involved in this ministry? And the mm-hmm. Lord calling me to, to leadership and to grow even deeper and further. Why don't you share a little bit about that time and season? Yeah, and yeah. Like?
1: So, so after coming to faith, uh, I remember – you know, he didn't have a cell phone or anything at that time. I called Joe from my aunt's house, who lived in Charlotte, M., and told him what happened. And I was like, thank you, uh, you know, became a Christian, appreciate it, see you in heaven. I mean, that was literally the call. And, uh, and he said, well, when are you going to be back at campus? And I told him, and within 15 minutes of being back at campus, he knocked on my door again. And, um, and he just sat down and he said, you know, Maddie, let me see your Bible. And I just got a new one over the break after coming to faith. And he opened it up and I'll never forget. He took me to first John five 13. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the son of God that you may know. And he took out a pen from his daytimer, and he circled no, and he kept circling. He said, Maddie, you can know that, you know, that, you know, And, and all I I could remember thinking was it was like nails on a chalkboard. He's writing in my new Bible. Uh, I mean, just, I mean, I was like, this has got to be bleeding into whatever books behind this. You know, that's what I was thinking. But, but he said, Maddie, uh, he just was, was proclaiming assurance of faith. And then this is what he did, Zach. He said, I pulled out a little card. He wrote two um, C-O-R five colon 13. He said, uh, here's your first scripture memory verse. I was like, what's that? And and he kind of rolled his eyes a little bit and he pulled out another card and he wrote PS 119.9 uh, um, through 11. He said, here's your first scripture memory on why you're gonna memorize scripture. He said, "Maddie, I'm gonna come back tomorrow and I wanna see if you've uh, memorized these. Knocked on the door to, the next day, I said, if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation, old has gone, new has come. Uh, how can a young man keep his way pure, et cetera? And what Joe began to do was just disciple me or mentor me, whatever you want to say. And then Zach, dude, he began to push me. And this gets into the sophomore question. He began to just push me in the deep end. And, and so he called, he said, hey, uh, Maddie, are you? will you come to the campus outreach meeting tonight? I was like, what's campus outreach? He was like, that's my ministry. I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, great. Will you share your testimony? I was like, what's that? He was like, it's just what's happened to you. So I was like, yeah, is there going to be any people there? And I walked into this full room and I was like, dude, I mean, I've kind of prayed one prayer, man. Um, you know, would you close in prayer? And so, so long story short, he asked me to go to the beach project and, um, all right, we're just going to be real here. I lied to him and told him that I sent in the application. Um, I, I was picturing this like massive campus outreach headquarters or something. And I said, it's probably got lost in the mail room. Little did I know, it was probably his apartment they were getting mailed to, and he looked every day. And I went home, and, and Zach, I just knew. I went home and played soccer, and I was with my girlfriend all summer. I knew if I go back to campus, there is no uh, straddling the fence when it comes to walking with Christ, being a part of what God's doing on this campus, if I get involved with Joe in Campus outreach, So I determined, I'm not going to find him. I'm not going to find him. And he had been sending uh, this group of guys letters all throughout the summer, telling us what we were all up to. And I said, I I said, literally, uh, Lord, if he comes after me and I was thinking, I don't know if he will, which is really funny. Uh, he'd been praying for me all summer. (laughs) If he comes after me, then, then I'm in. And, uh, and dude, I still remember this moment. I walked into the soccer locker room, which if you know a Division One athletic program, uh, nobody can, it's very hard to get in a soccer locker room or any, any sport, the locker room. I walked up to my locker and I was probably about 10 feet away and I could see a note hanging from the side of my locker and I instantly could tell the handwriting. It's Joe Nearmore's lefty handwriting and my heart literally began to race. How did he get in here? And it just said, Flashy B, and that was the nickname at the time. He said, Flashy B, and so excited for what God's going to do. Uh, here's my prayers. And I just knew, okay, Lord, uh, then I'm in. Uh, so, so, yes, that was a, that was a crazy um, just way that God, again, pursued me through a man. And would never, would never have it any different, but,
0: but I was definitely, uh, you know, a little reluctant going into my sophomore year. There's a lot of things that are remarkable about that, Matt. Um, probably more than anything that st- sticks out to me is someone handwriting you a letter <laughs> over the course of do you a know, summer.
1: listeners. Do you know what that is?
0: Not an email, not a yeah. text. That he got his pen and paper out and wrote you letters, and uh, that really wasn't that long ago, Matty. That's that's in the yeah. mid to late '90s, and uh, world's changed a lot campus yep. outreach has changed a lot. I know that you've been around since that time, and one of the things i I always love to ask guys who've been around since the nineties are just how has the ministry changed but But more than that, what are just some of those stories, man, that we don't want to lose as a ministry that we just die laughing that we say we we can't believe this used to be us or this happened. I'd love for you to share a couple of those stories if if any comes to mind,
1: yeah, um. Let me think about this I think uh, I think there was just this amazing privilege to be a part of what God was doing, but also the you know one of the ways I think we 've gotten better is we 've gotten sophisticated in the way that we relate to people, administrations, etc. But when you look at the life cycle of the way organizations or businesses start there 's a pioneering phase. And people are taking new ground. And I just feel a little privileged uh, to be a part of that and the CEO. Now, for those, if they got hurt by it or whatnot, I definitely don't feel privileged in that sense. But here's an example. So, you know, because you've directed many of our New Year's conferences and you know the planning that goes into it, et cetera. Well, When I was just about, when I was early on staff and I was showing to have leadership and influence in the movement, it was before we launched into a new territory. Joe came to me and he was like, hey, Maddie, he said, "Uh, will you join our our, uh, leaders meeting or executive team meeting tonight, the final night of conference? And I was like, what time is it? He said, we usually meet up about 1130 or midnight. And I was like, sure. And so we walk into a room, and it's Neil Gooch, who's the director of Seal Charlotte at the time, Joe Narramore, an area director, Blair Burke, Brandon Rice, and probably Chris Duncan and, and myself. And I was just so interested, like, what are we going to talk about? You know, it's pretty late. I'm ready to hit a sack or go hang out with students. And, and we sit down, and it's clear. Neil says, guys, so what do you guys think I should talk about tomorrow? And, and, and they and they started going back and forth. And, and I just said, um, excuse me, what do you mean talk about tomorrow? And they said, oh, sorry, we're planning Neil's final talk. Uh, Neil's going to write his final talk. It's now 1230 in the morning. And he's going to write his final talk. Now, if you remember those, back in the day, those talks were like, they were pretty long, talks. They're a long like talk. They're long talk. Hour and a half talk. But but I was just amazed that number one, um, the spirit of we want to hear from God, what does he want to say? But also just the what would you call that? Like just the um uh, audacity.
0: It, you're you building a plane while you're flying it.
1: There you go. That's it, man. I knew you had a phrase for it. So, so long story short, the, the thing I'll bring up, so that's kind of the early days. Let's get together and write a talk at almost one in the morning. And, and then the guys, other Neil, Neil was just very serious, you know, like, help me. Let's build this out. And the guys, it's just too late, right? And so they were um, making smart aleck comments here and there. And long story short, uh, Neil fired off some comment to Brandon Rice, and and it was kind of that athletic ribbing going on. And Brandon, in this epic moment, he he said, uh, "Why your hands so yellow?" And uh, and to to understand, Neil had been juicing for a while. Uh, he'd been on a juice diet. And, and I hadn't noticed it, but my man's hands were glowing like an ultraviolet lamp. And all of a sudden, everybody looked at his hands, and it was literally like um, Han Solo with like lightsabers. And man, we lost it. And uh, we, anyways, we laughed, we giggled, and then finally we descended the meeting about 1.30, because nobody could do
0: anything but
1: <laughs> focus
0: on him. Neil had to still go write his talk and deliver it. Oh
1: man, yeah, and and it was a deep talk and and so helpful. So, so anyways, uh, just some of those. I mean, the other thing, some of the retreats we would do. Zach oh, thought, man, we would definitely do retreats that were the men's retreats were definitely lacking discernment in the burly man competitions. And I don't I don't know if you remember those. you have know, somebody would start with a shirt, and if you if, if you challenged them to do something and they didn't do it, then you got the shirt and you get sixty guys in a cabin in the mountains with
0: that sort of background wasn't very good. <laughs> now we don't we don't do those anymore, but uh hey the Lord used them. The Lord did, used them, right? right?
1: Yeah, those are um, those are uh, in many
0: ways great days. Matt, I still have the uh the green mats that neil and chris and the office staff used to use to work all day and work all night and not go home <laughs> and sleep and uh you're they're sure. still here and uh i can let everyone know who used to work in this office we have not had a all we have not pulled an all-nighter in probably two decades so i'm whatever, whatever it takes attitude so matt um you're Involved with CO, you come on staff, you serve at Davidson, you're an area director here in Charlotte, and then you are, uh, are led to lead a new team in a new territory. Just tell us about that burden, where that came where that came from, just starting the Virginia expansion, now known as CO Lynchburg, but at the time it was C-O-B-E, COVE Cove. Where did that burden come from? Just what was that like, being a part of a new team, starting a new team? moving your family, all that?
1: Yeah, so so I when I went on staff, I pioneered our movement at Davidson, and then a couple years in, uh, Neil took the team to South Africa. Joe was asked to be the regional director, and I, I became the area director of Charlotte and Davidson. And uh, just to be honest, looking back on that move right there, I was promoted into my gifts of shepherding, teaching, I was promoted out of some areas of of need and development in that first two years at Davidson. I gathered people and grew something in, in quantity. That's like who I am right at the moment where I had to learn how to move it and go deep and build a movement. I was promoted out of it. And so just looking back, um, you know, I I just, I I don't know. I wish I would have had those years. I didn't know it at the time, Uh, but so what happened at Charlotte and Davidson was we began to reach students and see a, a ministry grow and develop. And there was always a talk with CEO, you know, grow to a place of fullness in order to, um, uh, launch. And, and so I, I think I began to think about it, but Zach, the moment I remember we were at a beach project and Julia and I had been talking about what's next. Do, You know, where's God leading us? And she leaned over to me in Surfside, Presbyterian, at one of the final rallies, she leaned over. And uh, and until you asked this, I hadn't remembered this. She said, Maddie, if God would enable us to take a team to a new territory, would that not be one of the greatest privileges of our lives? And I think, sorry, getting so emotional on this. I think the word from my wife that I would go with you and I would follow you with joy unlocked something in me that from that moment I was like, I mean, we're in. And so that kind of, st- you know, it had been in conversation, but but that was one, Lord, would you would you take a team of Charlotte and Davidson folks? And so, and then he quickly, you know, he had been raising up the team, and, and you know, from that moment we kind of saw. Man, he's prepared the way. And so we looked at, you know, I initially wanted to go to Chapel Hill, man. I wanted to go uh to the triangle, but but Rupert had already planned on going there. And so we started looking at Virginia. And uh yeah, man, we we just started scouting it out, looking at the campuses and it quickly all roads led to Richmond and then we went to the uh our campus touring trip and we went to VCU. And I'll never forget it, man. We're at this the, the trip, and this is like my future, you know, job and life and where I'm gonna live. And all the guys are joking, "Where's the campus? Where's the campus?" Because it's in the city, and it's like, is that the campus? Is that the campus? And I remember I was irritated. I'm like, I understand this is really funny to you guys, but we're trying to figure out where I'm gonna live, you know. And they were like, "Maddie, be simmer down." Um, but we we quickly saw Richmond, DCU wasn't the starting point, and then. Uh, we decided to go home via 81 we got to Virginia Tech and Radford and we said this is it and funny enough we were going to cross back the state and go through Lynchburg but we ended up saying you know what what's in Lynchburg (laughs) and we said let's just go down 77 and get home and uh and the Lord had other ways to put Lynchburg on the map for us but I don't know if that answered your question but that's yeah man it's just such a such a privilege to raise up a team from our ministry at Charlotte and Davidson. And uh, yeah, it's a hard time. It's a hard time to launch a region and a lot of your insecurities and fears really come to the surface. And then in our first year of ministry was the Virginia Tech massacre. And so um, that anyways there's that to be a whole nother um podcast on lessons learned in
0: crisis yeah but, that's 2005 you and
1: no, the team move two, up there 2006
0: 2006 you guys move may up. of
1: 2006 the u-hauls uh crossed the virginia line
0: move up there with doug and colin and and uh
1: the team Adriana, yep, yeah. Adriana yeah. Haley uh, is now Medema. Um Andrew and Maria Schwartz, of course. Julia Bradner, and then uh, Josh Layfield, who kind of came with the team, and we had a
0: great, great crew. So Matt, it, that's 2006. You guys move up there, and you you're still living in Lynchburg. You're you're still there. You're still ministering there, but you're no longer the director of Campus Outreach Lynchburg. Pass that on to someone else. God raised up another man to mm-hmm. take your place and to lead. Cam Colquitt and Cam's doing a phenomenal job. But what are you doing now? And um tell us about kind of your your calling and ministry post Camp Syrage Lynchburg.
1: Yeah, man. I'm uh I'm playing Pokemon, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> Just saying. Uh oh, actually uh I, I, Pokemon. Exactly. No, so uh, so yeah, I was the Co Lynchburg director. So in 2006, we launched the Blacksburg, and then in the following two years, the Lord directed us to our hub uh, franchise church, Rivermont uh, EPC, in Lynchburg. We moved over to Lynchburg in 2008. Continued to grow the ministry, and um, I was the director from 2006 to 2000. I guess 19, so 13 years, and Loved it. I, it was you know such a privilege and honor. I think I would say during those years, one of the things I'm thankful for campus outreach is it's a developmental uh, organization and it's constantly trying to uh, highlight areas of strength and gifting and uniqueness while also minimize areas of, of weakness and liability. And over the years, I just began to see that uh, some of my calling was was in areas of Uh, spiritual and relational health and uh, some shepherding teaching. And it just got to a point where uh, we saw that uh, it was time for me to do something different, but it also converged with the realization that we thought Lynchburg needed uh, a new leader that was ready to take it to the next phase. And so So uh, I now work for the, with Campus Outreach, East Coast Network Development Team, which really means I I get to focus on staff. And my platform is the way that we speak about it. So I'm on Joe Naramore's team with uh, Brandy Rawls and Mike Meisenheimer. My platform is spiritual and relational health. Uh, Some of those focus go into areas like marriage and family and teams. And then I'm, I'm catalytic speaking,
0: things like that too. So. So Matt you I know you, you're, you're uh, you'd be too humble to admit this but the Lord has really blessed you with some unique gifts and some incredible strengths that you've used to serve uh, Christians and churches and our ministry for many years what about the vision and mission of campus outreach 20 plus years later is still compelling for you to say i'm I'm in my 40s mm-hmm. my 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 oldest is going to be a junior in high school now. Yeah, I can go do something else. And I know you've had lots of opportunities that even you and I have talked about. Well, yeah. Why are you still here, man?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, now that you say it, so. <laughs> <laughs> nah. You know, you know. I, I think I initially went on staff because I wanted to give back. And and I just remember thinking that you know I'll do this for a year or two and then move on. And I had a breakthrough early on in staff where I realized I'm never going to do what I want to do if my heart's constantly looking elsewhere. And and so I said, you know, no instability does not win followers and win win trust. So I said, okay, I'm going to do this for a season. And, you know, let's say that that's four to six years. Well, during that period, I really began to see, yeah, I've got, you know, and, and early on, I've got teaching gifts and um, gifts in communication. And it just became clear to me that if I wasn't careful, I just knew I could be one of those guys that was miles wide and a few inches deep. It just became very clear. I mean, you know, a lot of my gifts, I stand up in front of a crowd, I sit down and they, they think that they know me so well. It's because, you know, that's a, that's a real gift to be able to, you know, Julia and I, she has it too. Like, we just, we love the Bradners. We know the Bradners. Have you ever talked to them? Actually, no. Um, We've listened to them. And I just, you know, it came a point where I was like, uh, I want to be a man of depth. I want to teach, but I want to learn to make disciples. I want to share my faith. I want to reproduce my life. And, um, I don't, I just don't want to, you know, somebody said jet ski along the surface and, and that would be my tendency. And so campus outreach was just a place where real relationships, real evangelism, real discipleship, I couldn't get away from those things. And so that's what I think has kept me for so long that at the end of the day, I love the conferences I get to do. I love the opportunities, but at the end of the day, it's the people that I've been a part of their life deeply and they've been a part of my life that drives me, and and so CO was, was my vehicle for that, um, and then, yeah, man, when I was transitioning out of the previous um, role, I definitely had some opportunities, but I just felt like Campus Outreach gave me the best platform to continue to operate in my giftings, and I sought the advice from a number of mentors in and outside of Campus Outreach, and I just felt like you know what, uh, the focus that I'm going to focus on, I think it's needed. And so I'm going to, uh, I want to do it for another season. So great. Yeah. Those are some of the things that
0: come to my mind. And one of those things you're focusing on is marriage and family health and enrichment there. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing. Cause it's, it's not a new focus, but it is a new role and, and someone devoting their time, energy, and efforts to strengthening the marriages and families. uh yeah. pretty much full time. I know that's not your only responsibility, but we've never had anyone devoted to this in the capacity that you have. Tell us a little bit about that and what yeah. you're doing.
1: Yeah. So we, um, let me try to think where, uh, how to summarize this. Well, I'll, I'll start here. So, uh, Julie and I get married. We are very different. Yeah, I mean, we're so different. We thought we were the same person, uh, which is so laughable. Um, that's what a crush will do to you. And, uh, and and we, we had great chemistry, extremely low compatibility. Uh, we're just opposites in in the way we view life and do life. And so what that resulted in was we would get in a marital problem, which was usually because of something I did. And it's not a joke. It really is because of something I did. And then we would get together. and We'd work through it, man. And we'd come up with some principle. And part of our gifting, we would put some language to it. And, those principles would help us and we would share them with our friends, right? Because that's what we do. We lead and it would start helping others. So we just became known as the Bradners have just thought about this marriage thing more than others and then family thing. And so in 2013, we got asked to do a seminar, the global staff conference. And we just felt Zach and you know, every couple, I think has these things. We just felt like that was going to be part of our future. Stewarding marriage and family development because that's kind of our focus, which is growth and development. And and this, the global conference was that opportunity that where we got pressed into. And after we did that, we just started getting requests. Will you come to Minneapolis and do four hours and six hours? And so that was kind of the birth of our ministry to married, uh, uh marriages and families. And I think uh, so. We do inside and outside of CO, but the thing that drives us inside campus outreach—how um, there's so many things, but one is the landscape, uh, the spiritual landscape we now live in—is um, one where oftentimes the initial objection to the Christian message is not an objective one, and it's not an intellectual one. Well, how do you know the Bible is written by God and not men? Those questions are there. What about suffering in the world they 're there, but in today 's climate it 's a subjective or an emotional objection i don 't want to be a Christian anyways. You guys are intolerant you're blah 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 and what we 've seen with that is that when the front door of the the objection is an emotional one, apologetics isn't your apologetics isn't your first need. hospitality is i can 't tell you how many times i've had a student say no to being in a Bible study and then come to eat dinner with my family. And at the end say, Maddie, when's Bible study? And, and early on I wouldn't do this, but now I, I say, oh, I'm sorry, we're full, man. Uh, you said, no, you had your opportunity. And they what, what are you talking about? And I'm like, what is it? And they're like, I don't know. Just kind of seeing you and your family. I, I just think, you know, I am interested and and so that's one of the things that drives me with marital health from a mission standpoint. Is we believe marriage is meant to be a good gift from God to you, meant to produce good works through you. And the campus dynamic, the home is is a front door place. And so, we just want to help couples. And the last thing I would say, dude, you know me, uh, and and you know Paul Paul Billings calls me the the Proverbs Christian or something like that. Um, our marriage stuff is inspirational and practical. And, uh, it, you know, there are so many people that are doing such good theological marriage material that we would point people to, but what we've seen Zach is that a lot of Christians can define the the role of a husband, have no idea how to live out the relationship. We focus on describing a relationship that honors God, that would push you toward a role as opposed to the other way around. So that's a little uniqueness. And that's why some churches are gravitating to us because they're like, for years we've heard, here's the role, here's the role, here's the role. While behind closed doors, this does not look like Christ in the church. And so we're just very practical and, uh, and we get a platform to do it with
0: campus outreach. And so, yeah, buddy. And Matt, your, some of your material is being spread beyond campus outreach. If anyone's listening to this and wants to check out some of your material, where would they go?
1: Yeah, www.coupleminutes.com. That's probably the um, best place. So coupleminutes.com is all about providing content to spark a conversation. Uh, We, You know, we talking with Joe Naramore, we just started saying uh, how many really significant conversations do you think our couples have. And, and honestly, it's hard because that's what you do for a living. You go to the campus, has significant conversations. You come home, do you want to have another one? It's very hard. So we said, well, what can we do in order to promote the likelihood of that? Well, we're going to provide the content, the questions. All you have to do is create the time for it. And so that's what Couple Minutes is about. And yeah, it's definitely being resourced beyond CO um, and but
0: it's with Outreach couples and alumni in mind. Well, Matt, you have been a tremendous friend and partner yes. and mentor. And I think back to, I believe it was 2017, where for some reason you and I thought, let's lead the Beach Project together again.
1: <laughs> let's do this. And I, the- I, I, think, I think you led it. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I, I promoted it. <laughs>
0: And what I was thinking of is that video that I showed of uh, the Parks and Rec scene where uh, Chris Traeger says, everyone is amazing. And Ben comes and says, you're all fired. And that's how we work together, Matt. Not (laughs) quite like that. But you have always been a uh, a great, a great friend. And I love working with you and glad and privileged that we still get to partner together to serve campus outreach and serve God's kingdom together. So thanks. Thanks for being on, man. Well, thank you.
1: And, and I'll say, Zach, thank you for making us better as a movement. You ask serious, honest questions. And um, it's just that that's why I think we're still around.
0: So thanks, buddy. Thanks, Matt. Thanks, everyone for listening. Hope you've enjoyed this time. And God bless.